Every year during spring break, teenagers travel somewhere sunny and party for a week straight. It's a chance to let loose and let your guard down. And if you've seen any horror movie ever, you know no one loves an unaware clueless teen quite like a killer. Today, we're counting down twisted spring break crimes, stories that we hope aren't too dark to keep you from that amazing vacation. But wicked enough to make you keep one eye on the fun and maybe one eye on anything suspicious. you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast research gods. In this episode, we're counting down the top 10 twisted spring break crimes. So, contrary to what many would probably believe, <laughs> your girl, me, has never <laughs> been on spring break. That's crazy. But you know what's even crazier? I'm what? sure everyone is shocked to find out that I have never been on spring break. <laughs> Shocking. I'm sure everybody was like, what? Who knew? Yeah. Although if I had gone on spring break, I probably would have ended up on this list. You know what? I'm actually really glad that you said that because <laughs> <laughs> I was 100% going to say that. I was like, well. Yeah, I said probably, but I meant definitely. I think we're glad <laughs> that you're here now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I am a lot more self-aware, I will say, yeah, now are. than I was in my teens and honestly my early 20s. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's because we do all these crime shows now. Uh, that'll do it. That'll definitely do you. I have always been, I think you know, like super self-aware, probably almost to a fault. Yeah, you're like a helicopter sister. Yeah, like my head is so hard on a swivel that I might as well be like a barn owl. <laughs> I see that for yeah. you. Yeah. Well, these spring break crime stories will have you second guessing that next school break trip. At least after this, I hope so. Elena has five vacays gone wrong and so do I, but neither of us knows which destination we are crossing off our list to go to next. <laughs> Let's start the countdown. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. 
That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. 10. I'll start us off with number 10. The 1985 murder of hitchhiking roommates Kim Vaccaro and Lisa Eisman. The two women were scheduled to take a bus from Buffalo, New York, where they went to college, to Fort Lauderdale to meet their third roommate for spring break, but they never made it. The two chose to hitchhike instead of taking the bus and met a gruesome death. Okay, I remember seeing this on American Justice. Ooh. And I can hear the theme song in my head. American Justice. They made it as far as the Virginia-Maryland border, and then they sent back a postcard affirming they were safe. That's the last anyone heard from them. The two women's bodies were found floating in a river in a remote area near Tampa by a retired cop who was fishing. Wow, what a Which, strange coincidence. I was, was going to say, like, a retired cop who just happens to be fishing? Just trying to be retired, and then life is like, not and, and right now, sir. And he's like, really? He's like, I just retired yesterday. I was trying to catch dinner. The two girls had brought knives to protect themselves while traveling to Florida, but clearly it was not enough. Which That's is so sad. Which is even scarier. Scarier and sad, more sad because they prepared for yeah. something like that to happen. They were ready for something like that and it still didn't help. They both right. had knives. That's like, crazy. What? Their bodies were so badly beaten that dental records were needed to be used to identify them. That is always so horrifying. When, whenever they have to use something other than just identifying the person, right. it's horrifying. They were given money to take the bus, but instead hitchhiked. Most likely wanting to pocket the money for personal use, but come on, number one lesson, no hitchhiking. Don't do it. I know. It's not their fault, but it's like, come on, don't do it. It is wild to me that after all the true crime stories that people still hitchhike. I've seen hitchhikers like yes, recently. And even like, today. What? I'm like, haven't the 70s taught you anything? Also write a note down. Don't pick up a hitchhiker either because you never know. You don't know. It's scary. The you whole process is not okay. Be a barn owl. Don't trust anyone. <laughs> uh, their families actually had no clue about their plans and were in complete disbelief because they had never done that before. They had never hitchhiked before. Right. And they had never indicated that they even planned on doing it. So lesson number two, always share your plans with people you know so that, or at least share your location on your phone now. I know. I share my location with you all the time. I was going to say like whenever you were, you know, like when you were dating, when you would like go out on a date, you would always share your location with me. I think I have it indefinitely shared with you. And just always discuss it with someone you know, just so they have an idea. So if, right. You know, if something ever happens, they can be like, well, they told me they were going to do this. Right. So they can try to follow your And footsteps. if you're going to change anything, let someone know. Just it's one so person sad. at least. Yeah, it's so sad. Nine. Number nine on our countdown is the 1998 NSB Spring Break Killings. NSB is New Smyrna Beach, which is near Daytona Beach. That's where a group of local Floridians attacked three spring breakers from Maryland in 98, killing two of them in a deadly brawl over, quote, a girl and a ring. Oh. Like, was it worth it? Was it worth it? The three Maryland Spring Breakers were staying at the Ocean Palms Beach Club condominiums, and the fight broke out there over the local men's relationship with a woman. Witnesses said it was vaguely about that girl and a ring. Wow, what? A, that's like a country song. That girl and a ring. <laughs> <laughs> 
The Spring Breakers stepped in to stop them from harassing her, and the police broke up the initial fight, but then the locals came back with bats and knives and repeatedly stabbed all three Spring Breakers. Ah! Can you imagine? They leave and then they come back, like, ready to just kill you to, to straight up kill you it's I, like you're just trying to help someone yeah seriously oh. so scary two of the men died and the third survived after being stabbed 17 times what 17 new smyrna beach detective wade kirby told the associated press quote this isn't the kind of thing you expect when you come down for spring break like oh yes uh, mr okay, kirby captain obvious <laughs> seriously <laughs> like it's wow not. like it's crazy it's so no one expects this so wild you think you're coming down for spring break i don't think you expect this do you no no i can't say i the do answer is no all were charged luckily and sentenced and some of the younger locals received lesser punishments but was it really worth ruining your life over seriously a girl in a ring a girl in a ring down down Eight. Number eight on our countdown of top ten twisted spring break crimes is Penn State stalker victim Rachel Taylor in 1940. March 29, 1940, the body of 17-year-old Rachel Taylor, a home economics major, was found by a school janitor. Her murder kicked off suspicion and fear that the campus and surrounding area was being terrorized by a killer. The beginning of every horror movie Right? It's ever. just a dun-dun-dun. That's scary. And then you have some piano music. Always a janitor. You pan over the campus really quick, and then in on a group of kids. I'm not going to go further. Play an indie rock song. Yeah, you know, there we are. Rachel Taylor was returning to campus from her hometown in New Jersey. In the 1940s, spring break did not include Florida or Mexico beaches. I don't know. If, <laughs> I wonder when that adaptation came yeah. along. When did it transition into that? Must go to Florida. Uh, must do it. She got off the bus at 1.21 a.m., where police believe she met her killer along the half-mile walk to her dorm. Ugh. Only half a mile, yeah. too. Her body was found four miles away. Now, Rachel was shy, and it wasn't believed she'd take a ride from a stranger, so initially it was thought she had to know her killer. Okay. And an autopsy revealed she'd eaten shortly before she died, but no restaurants were open at the time near the bus stop or where she died. So did her killer feed her? Or maybe she was one of those ladies that like always walks around with like peanut butter crackers in her purse. I'm a lady who lunches. It's so I, t I am always having peanut butter crackers on my person at any given time. I'm a lady who lunches, brunches, <laughs> snacks, snacks, dines, grazes, cuisines, just goes ham. I, yeah. yeah. So you As don't ham. know. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know. Right. But the idea that some, because that's happened in a few cases oh, too, yeah. where the killer will feed the person before killing them. Which is always... It adds a layer of like creep. Oh, creep, it brings creepy. such a layer of like WTF to it. There were several attacks and murders and theories that police tried to make connections to, including a white slave ring, which scared everybody. Oh. Yeah. Like, what? But all the attacks mysteriously ended around the start of World War II. So maybe the killer was drafted? That makes a lot of it sense. It could have happened, but it remains unsolved. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. That is very interesting. It kind of seems like the perfect Can you imagine idea. if he just went off to war and no one knew any better? No. Like, whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Number 5. 
seven. At number seven this week is Evan Tweed, a Minnesota man whose spring break with his family in 2016 became a cautionary tale. Never want that. No. Evan Tweed was on spring break with his wife and teenage son at an all-inclusive resort in Mexico, when an altercation led Evan to being dragged off by police to a disgusting jail with no way to contact his family. That is not how you want it to end. To which I say, nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. No, thank you. Goodbye. So Evan Tweed, his friends, and family were at the resort when this altercation happened. Tweed was allegedly not involved, Uh but the police showed up, cuffed Evan, forced him into a pickup truck, and drove off as his family and friends just watched helplessly. That's horrifying. No one helped him or them. Right? Evan described his jail cell as putrid, with dirt floors, moldy walls, bugs crawling, Ah! goodbye, uh, feces and blood were also on the ground. No. Leave. I know <laughs> no. you can't, but leave. I know, I know you can't, but you gotta leave, Evan. Ugh. In jail, I guess he met a woman who was also from the same resort. Now, she recalled blacking out drunk and then just waking up in her cell with no memory of how she got there. What is this resort? The scariest <laughs> resort on planet Earth. A friend finally helped pay for Evan and also the woman's freedom potential bribe involved there potentially or like maybe they just made really good friends yeah you don't know i need her to get out too we're friends now i don't know i wasn't there after he was bailed out evan chose to stay at the resort and resume his vacation okay evan (laughs) i'd be like we're flying home uh last year yeah i'd be like this is not up for debate but wait elena there's more and it gets twisty oh we love a twist evan's story has since been heavily questioned because it lacks specific details leading up to the arrest and his possible involvement he also never named the resort and later testimonial from the resort said police were restraining him after assaulting another person in the hotel oh evan so really what's the actual cautionary tale here don't get too wild on spring break Landing at number six is Canadian teen Mark Fike. Mark's 1996 spring break murder in Daytona Beach was not only a tragedy on a human level, it also caused economic damage for the Florida city when Canadian tourism was all but cut off. Ooh. Because it's true, these beaches like rely on spring breakers. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 18-year-old Mark Fike was just hours away from spring break being over and heading back to Ontario. Oh, I'm already upset. It's no good. He was going home. Oh, the tail end. Ugh. So he's standing with a friend by the beach, talking on a payphone with his mother. Oh. Three teens walk up, demand his wallet. Says nothing to his mom about it. Okay. Yeah. He quietly hangs up the phone, refuses to hand over the money, and then he's shot in the head and dies in the arms of his best friend. Oh my god. The escalation there? Seriously. And he was on the phone with his mother a second. Like, she knows now that she was on the phone with him while this was going on. Right. Ugh. The shooter was 17-year-old John Rainey. He had escaped from juvenile detention, and he ended up getting a life sentence. Oh, wow. His two accomplices also served time, which is good. But the murder caused a major slump in Canadian spring breaker presence in Daytona. Obviously. Which which obviously caused a noticeable economic impact. 
One Canadian reporter who covered the trial said tourism was clearly on the prosecutor's mind, and a signal had to be sent that Daytona was safe. Wow. Yeah. That one was crazy. Well, you hear about these things happening and you question, like you'll you'll have a friend going to one of these beaches after something will happen and you're like, are you sure you want to go? Oh yeah, like don't go there. But something like that, he was just on his way out. That's such a case of wrong place, wrong time. It really is. Awful. I'm going to be honest, this is making me not want to go anywhere. I don't go anywhere, so. I was going to say, Neither not that I do. go anywhere anyways. You but come to my house, I go to your house. Sometimes yeah. there's Starbucks in between. It's great. That's where we're spring breaking. But I'm excited to see what you have coming up. I'm excited to see what you have. Aww. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa from Parcast. When you think of a criminal, do you picture a killer, a gangster, a thief? I bet you didn't think it could be the little old lady down the street who murdered her tenants. Every Wednesday on my series, Female Criminals, meet the unlikeliest of felons, mothers, neighbors, and unsuspecting lovers with a penchant for dangerous behavior. Discover the psychology and motives behind their disturbing crimes and find out where their story stands today. But that's not all. Airing right now on Female Criminals is our special five-part look at the world's most infamous femme fatales, women who were deceptive and deadly, but not always the villain. Catch these episodes and more by following the Spotify original from Parcast, Female Criminals. New episodes premiere weekly. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of twisted spring break crimes. Starting off the second half of our list is the murder of University of Iowa student Sarah Ann Ottens in 1973. While her friends went off to Mexico for spring break, 20-year-old Sarah Ottens stayed behind to work through her vacation just to make some extra money. Unfortunately, she met a horrific end. Aww. And I, like, so honest, she just wants to make some extra money. some extra money. Love it. Doing the responsible thing. Right? Sarah's body was found by another student in the dorms around midnight on March 14th, 1973. No. Nope. Midnight? You stumble upon that? That's so scary. She, and this is even scarier. She was face down on the floor under a clean bed sheet. Which to me says immediately whoever did this knew her. Knew her or I don't yeah. Or like liked strange. her or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's strange. The police found blood dripping in the bathroom sink and a fingerprint on the faucet. Now this like drives the point home that I feel like this person knew her. Her killer had washed her face and her hair in the sink. Ugh. That like I, that's so personal. Yeah, that's very personal. It's really weird. And weird. And it points to some kind of, like, weird obsession, I feel like. Yeah. Sarah had also been beaten and assaulted, but ultimately died of strangulation. Jeez. The police made stupid mistakes of, like, so many. (laughs) You don't say. Yeah, right? The dorm employees and media came into the room before it was secure, obviously just contaminating the crap out of that crime scene. Why does this happen? All the time. In so many cases, why? Can you guys take notes from each other? Come on. 
Now, football player James Wendell Hall was charged with the murder six months later because his DNA was found in the room. Hall was found guilty and sentenced to 50 years, but he only served 10 after the conviction was thrown out due to all that crime scene contamination. No, DNA's supposed to getcha. And this will getcha. In 1992, Hall was actually convicted in strangling another woman. Oh, okay. Like, so clearly he yeah. likes to strangle people. Clearly this is his thing. No one else was ever charged in Naughton's murder, but I mean, at least the guy is in jail that we think did it. But like, I suppose it's is like that, some kind of closure. But is it like real it's really closure? Not. It's really not. That's absurd. Four. Landing at number four this week is the disappearance of Ohio State medical student Bryant Schaefer in April 2006. Bryant and a couple friends decided to go bar hopping on Friday night. At around 1 a.m. that night, Bryant and his friends can be seen on security cameras entering a bar near Ohio State University's campus. But there is no footage showing Bryant ever leaving the bar or the area that night. That is weird. How does that happen? <laughs> because somebody gets rid of it. What is going on? 1.15 a.m. All three are seen on camera entering the bar. 2 a.m. Brian is seen on camera talking to girls. And that's the last time he's seen ever again. E. The following Monday, he misses his flight for a spring break trip with his girlfriend. That's when the family filed a missing persons report. So there's a massive search to find him that included the entire bar where he was last seen, dumpsters, and the sewer system. Oh, man. Everyone submitted to a polygraph, except for Clint Florence, a friend with him that night who talked negatively about Brian after he vanished. Yeah, you know, why don't you just, like, keep that to yourself, Clint? Yeah, you know what? Let's just let bygones be bygones, Clint. You, you don't have to tell everybody that you didn't like him. We don't want to talk badly about the missing. You don't want to do that, especially when you won't take a polygraph either and you're suspicious. Yeah. Just saying. So, theory number one. The bar was in a bad neighborhood and he slipped out unnoticed and maybe ran into some trouble. Which, all right. I, it could happen. Yeah. It's happened all the time. Right. Theory number two is that he went on an emergency exit and fell into a hole in a construction site and got covered in cement. I feel like <laughs> somebody would probably notice that. I mean, that's a lot. I would hope. And I want to be like, no, that did not happen. But like, I think we've been doing this long enough that we've, we're like, you know what? Sure. Yeah. Maybe that happened. Stranger things have happened. Absolutely could have happened. But that would be, that would be horrific bananas. What a way to go. Yeah, that would be truly bananas. Hope that wasn't what happened. Well, there is another theory. So theory number three is that he's still in the bar. What? what? It's just... He's, he's just in the bar. The permanent regular? He's just a, in there. Uh, he's a patron for life. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Honestly, that theory kind of holds up. Maybe something happened in that bar and he's still in there. But what? I'm just saying. I don't know. We do have a fourth theory. Okay. So theory number four is that he disappeared to start a new life, but his car was found at his apartment. So that one is a little like, where, how? Yeah, because like Uber wasn't a thing yet. So. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't think that's it. Like Taxis were. That that reminds me of like Bryce Las Pizza kind of thing. But yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. I think something bad happened to him. And I, I think maybe he, I don't know. When there's no body, it just makes it like 
so intense. It's too stressful when there's no body. I'm like, show me. It's Where like, are you? It's like the meme of the person doing all the equations yes. is us trying to figure out what the hell it's happened. It's me forever after this. I know. Ugh. Add that to my list of things I need to know. Right? Number three on our countdown of twisted spring break crimes is the disappearance of Stacy Madison and Susan Smalley. March 19, 1988, high schooler Stacy and Susan planned a sleepover for the last night of spring break. So wholesome. Oh. Before calling it a night, they cruised around in Stacy's yellow 1967 Mustang convertible. Oh. To which I say, slay. Amazing. Now they stopped by a party, chatted with friends, and then vanished. In the convertible. I know, huh? Police found the abandoned Mustang in a strip mall parking lot. Now, the doors were locked and the girls' jackets were inside. Already not good. But investigators didn't search for fingerprints or DNA in the original investigation. Great job. Awesome. Love that for you. Very good. so much. You are good at your job, except (laughs) not at all. A detective who later took on the case said the original investigators had tunnel vision about it being a runaway case. Oh, I hate when they do that. Well, and I feel like in like the late 70s, early 80s, that was just like kind of the thing to say. That was their go-to. Honestly, not even that time period, just like always. Yeah, it is. It's a certain like demographic. They always go to like, well, they just ran away and we're only going to look at that. We're not even going to consider anything It's like we have to consider all of the things that could have happened. Yeah, you can't go in with bias. No. The other thing is that they were excellent students and really looking forward to going off to college and really just nothing pointed to them running away. Stacy's boyfriend at the time was the main suspect because his next girlfriend actually claimed that he admitted to killing both girls. Oh, imagine dating somebody and he was like, guess what I did one <laughs> yeah. time. You want to hear a crazy story? I'd be like, oh my God, let's break up. I'd be like, oh no. But he recanted the statement and passed a polygraph test, except we all know that that's not like yeah. Always legitimate. You can't always rely on those. Might have just been confident. Yep. He later moved states and changed his name. And at one point, his ex-wife got a restraining order saying he threatened her with a knife. So I would say he's a pretty solid suspect. That's probably not at all connected, right? No, no, no definitely not. I don't not. think that tells anything about a person. No, not, no. not at all. Not Except at all. it tells you everything you need to know. Goodbye, sir. Yeah, so that last one was a doozy. Yeah, I'm going to go. I I feel like I know who it was. I don't know. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a boyfriend did it. The one that really gets me, though, is the Brian Schaefer one. So far, that one has been the one that I'm like, I need to go like deep dive into that tonight. That's going to haunt me for all time. I want to go down like a Reddit wormhole. Oh, I, I don't even want to because I won't sleep for like three days. I know. Well, my next one is insane. Well, mine is even more insane. I guess so, because yours is number one. (laughs) So whatever. Excited to see what number two is, though. (laughs) Yay. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of twisted spring break crimes. At number two is Brittany Drexel. The FBI claimed that Brittany fell victim to human trafficking while on spring break in Myrtle Beach in April 2009. 
They received stories from jailhouse informants who say Brittany was kidnapped and then ultimately murdered. Brittany Drexel went on the spring break trip with friends to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, without permission from her parents. Oh no, so they didn't even know where she was. April 25th, 2009, the third day of the trip, she walked to another resort to visit a friend. She left that resort and never made it back to her hotel. Oh no. Her boyfriend sounded the alarm when she didn't respond to any of his texts and told her family who filed a missing persons report. So it was her boyfriend that was like, oh, hey, this is where she is and she's not answering. Like, something needs to be done. And they were probably like, excuse me, what? Can you imagine being her family and you're like, uh, what now? You're like, like, double shocked? Not only did she go there, but now she's missing? Right. In 2016, the FBI made the claim that she had been kidnapped, assaulted, and then ultimately murdered. Investigators received several leads that she was seen in various stores or at a location where her cell signal was found, but they led nowhere. A South Carolina inmate and several other witnesses claim that she was kidnapped, assaulted, killed, and fed to alligators. Fed to alligators? Fed to alligators. Oh my god. What a claim to make. That's like Tiger King, but like totally like different. 2.0. Yeah. This is, and this is several people saying that. Wow. Timothy Deshaun Taylor was the lead, quote, person of interest. He claimed to have seen her before stopping a polygraph when they told him it showed him being deceptive. So he just was like, never mind. So when they're like, you're, it's showing us that you're lying, he was like, and I'm done. Wow. Which to me is like, excuse me, what? Yeah, like, why do you want to leave? Excuse me, what? Another inmate pointed to Taylor, too. He claimed to have seen Brittany in a drug stash house and witnessed Taylor abusing her. Oh, no. No one has been charged. This case officially remains unsolved. That's so sad, too, because you know that she was just, like, really excited about spring break. And then this hat, like, she was potentially fed to alligators. It's a horrific story. Something really bad happened there. Her poor family. I know. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 twisted spring break crimes. Mark Kilroy. Ooh, I know this one. University of Texas student Mark Kilroy was on spring break with his friends in southern Texas when they crossed into Mexico to bar hop in March 1989. Mark went missing and a month later, his mutilated corpse was found buried at a ranch, along with several other bodies, all victims of a ritual slaying by a black magic cult. Like what? I'm sorry, the amount of detail in that sentence. I can't with that. Talk about just spilling the tea. That's a lot to digest. Mark and his friends crossed the Texas border into the city of Matamoros in Mexico to keep celebrating spring break. Yeah. But at some point, Mark was grabbed and pulled into a pickup truck. (laughs) Also, imagine just seeing your friend just be like yeeted into a pickup truck. (laughs) Yeeted into a pickup truck. That's terrifying. That it is. It's horrifying. Now we know that he was taken to a ranch and tortured before being killed as part of a human sacrifice. It's so random. I know, right? 
His kidnappers and killers were part of a cult that smuggled drugs. So like drug dealers with a belief system. That's confusing. <laughs> cool, cool. They believed that the human sacrifices kept law enforcement away. I feel like that's the exact opposite. Yeah, I feel like that would actually just like bring a lot more attention like, to you. Your human sacrifices bring all the law enforcement to the yard. And they're like, that's bad. You're going to jail. Exactly. <laughs> it's also like... Let's like whole butt one thing instead of half butting two things, you know? Exactly. Put it all into one. Well, it took heavy media attention and pressure on Mexican authorities to really investigate the case, which is sad. Should have yeah. they should have just done that. And when they finally did, they traced one of the culprits to the ranch. The ranch was covered in like black magic artifacts. And Mexican cops confirmed the ranch was deeply steeped in black magic and cult activity. Ooh. Even the traditional Mexican newspapers found the magic aspect sensational and printed photos of the bodies. Can you imagine that being at your doorstep as you're going to- Don't Google that. Yeah, I just can't. Well, the cult leader who personally executed Mark in the ritual murder said he sought out an American college kid specifically, ah. which like, I need to know a lot more about that. So he was literally just standing there and just got ripped into a pickup truck. Ah, like right? that's so scary. Again, another case of just wrong place, oh wrong time. Gosh, yeah. Most of the killers involved were luckily sentenced. Oh, that's good. But wow. That was number one. It, yep, he <laughs> was number one. Number one was number one through ten, I think. <laughs> like, it was actually just all of them. That was so much. Yeah, and I don't I don't know. I think that one was... I, I, it's weird to pick a favorite, but that one might be yeah. my favorite. That, Brittany Drexel, I, I was looking for that one, so I was glad to see it on there, because I was like, yeah, that's a crazy one. That's a good one. And then Brian but, Schaefer. Oh, that one, it's just going to haunt me forever. All of them, but dude. But number one, you did great, podcast research gods. That is it. I didn't find anything that was left off. I don't you? think so. Not that I could think of. No. Sometimes I'll think of them later, and I'm like, darn it. I know. But this one, I don't think so. I think they covered ones that I hadn't even heard of. Same here. So good job. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. And if you can't get enough of these creepy crimes, check out our After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories that we think you'll enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which I think you do, because here you are, hello, you can follow our other podcast, Morbid. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts or follow us on Twitter at AmorbidPodcast or on Instagram at MorbidPodcast. And we hope you keep it weird until Monday, but like maybe hold off on cashing in your airline points for a vacation. Stay home and play The Sims. Bye. Crime Countdown is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Kristen Acevedo, with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic, produced by John Cohen, and associate produced by Jonathan Ratliff, fact-checking by Cara Mackerline, research by Ambika Chotera, Jay Cahio, and Mickey Taylor. Crime Countdown stars Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. <laughs> <laughs>